official Adam Sank Show merchandise at adamsank.com. T-shirts, tank tops, mugs, masks, just about everything you can think of emblazoned with the Adam Sank Show logo. Go to adamsank.com to order your merch today. Thank you. Warning. The program you're about to hear contains highly offensive and indecent material. This is the Adam Sank Show. If it's in my hand, I'm going to suck it. Powered by DNR Studios. And now... The one, the only, Adam Bottom. 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 I can't do it. Oh my bottom. God. Yes, it's me, the bottom, Adam Sank. We are not live, but this is a brand new episode. If you're listening at 11 a.m. Eastern on Saturday, October 24th, oh my God, election day is in a week. At dnrstudios.com, the only place you can hear this podcast throughout the week that it first airs. If you guys listen somewhere else, then be a pal and leave us your ratings and reviews on whatever audio platform you use. Email me anything at adam at adamsank.com. Like our Facebook page, download the comedy albums. Most importantly, get your official ass merch, t-shirts, tank tops, even a ventilator. The link to all that is adamsank.com. And no matter what else you do, you guys, vote. Go to vote.org to find out voting procedures in your state and cast your vote as soon as you can, and you better be voting blue. Our guest today is making his first appearance on The Ass. I've been trying to book him for literally years. He's never available on Saturdays, but today he was. It is Mr. Jorge Olivares, host of Affirmative Reaction on Sirius XM Progress. And for those of you who have been listening to Derek and Romaine since the Sirius XM days, you know Jorge well because he was the voice of OutQ News hmm. for years. And we're going to ask him about that. But first... I must introduce my delightful co-host who chose not to shower today, the one and only Ryan Frostig, ladies and gentlemen. Hello, Adam. Ryan, when was the last time you bathed? <laughs> That's a good question. I think yesterday, but while I might not be showering every day, I am participating in this election, and I am going to be a poll worker on November 3rd, and I suggest that if you can get involved, it's not too late. Vote blue, volunteer, do whatever it takes, and if you don't, Get to the shower. That's okay. I applaud your being a poll worker, and I hope that you do shower that day and use deodorant so as not to drive any voters from the polls. Sure. We want to increase voting Although activity. some voters might, you know, be enticed to... But most won't be. Okay. Trust me on this. Okay. Uh, JB, welcome, the queen of fuckery. How are you feeling today? Hello, I'm fine. How are you? I, what is your plan for voting, JB? Just voting. You're going <laughs> to show up on uh, election day? Pretty much. I'm doing early voting. I'm going to um, John Jay College. Mm. On, I think it's 60th and 9th, somewhere around there. Is that a new location? Is That's new for early voting. Oh, early voting places are separate. Uh, there's fewer of them. So okay. my regular polling place is a school that's like a couple blocks away. But, yeah, same. Um, starting, I think, at the 23rd or... T oh, today, maybe. <gasps> I think today is the first day of early voting. So okay. I'm going to cast my vote because I don't... I'm really worried about the mail. Yeah. Because I think Trump's going to fuck with it, and already has. So Yeah, if um, you can vote early, do it. At a polling place. I yeah. think that's your safest yes. bet. Um, all right, you guys. We are going to start with a discussion of singers, hmm. famous pop and rock singers. Who would you say, Ryan, off the top of your head, is the greatest Oof. pop or rock singer of all time? I'm going to, off the top of my head, I, uh, I'm going to have to say Whitney Houston. Very good answer. Um, yeah. Based on just the the her voice is timeless. It's um, the, the she's a she's technically a great singer, but she also has such a great um, sense of or she had a great sense, R.I.P., of uh, style and flair and like knows how to use her instrument in such a cool, exciting way. So I just love listening to her sing. Yeah, she's a very pure sound. And pure and powerful, yeah, which is a, a, a rare combination. JB, who would you say is the greatest of all time? Oh, damn! I'm, I'm like a struggle with five people. I have Michael Jackson. Mm. Then I also have Whitney. Mm. But then I also I, I love Tony, like her deep mm. Tony like, Braxton. Tony Braxton. Interesting. Her, her deep voice into her high notes is so sexy. Oh. 
Well, I, uh, you know how I like to be timely on yes. the Adam Sank show. So I thought we would start today with a story from 2014. Do you want to share who you think is the greatest? Um, or are they on the list? I'm not sure I have an answer, but but when I was asking you, the person that popped into my head was Barbara Streisand. Oh, yes. Which, you know, Barbara Streisand is not a pop singer in 2020, but she was At once upon a time. Right, like right. in the 60s and 70s, she was in the top 10 all the time. Yeah. To me, she has the, the, the greatest instrument. Um, I would agree with that. Not unlike Whitney. I think they have similar voices. It's that power yeah. combined with such a perfect intonation yeah. where they're never flat. They're always right on top of the pitch. And the sound is so is so glorious. Yeah. I, I think Whitney and Barbara are probably my top two. Yeah. But um, so I fell down a rabbit hole the other night, as I often do on the Internet, and I somehow wound up on something called ConcertHotels.com. <laughs> ConcertHotels.com? These are hotels that uh, are close to concert venues or have concert oh. venues in them. So if you're looking to go, if you're looking to like travel to go see someone sing, yeah. this they'll help you find the nearest hotel. I'm sure that, you know, they're not doing well right now for right. various reasons, but they put together a list in 2014 of the greatest <sighs> singers of all time, and they did so by a single criterion, which was vocal range. Okay. So it didn't matter how great they sounded necessarily. It was all about the from the lowest note they ever recorded uh -huh. to the highest note they ever recorded, who has the greatest range. And they, and they chose among famous superstar singers. I mean, there, there are probably yeah. people not on the list who have bigger ranges, but you don't know who they are. These right. are all famous people you would have heard of. Sure. And number one, mm -hmm. to my shock and surprise, was not Whitney, was not Barbara, was not Tony Braxton or Michael Jackson. It was Axl Rose. What? And I do remember, because Guns N' Roses got huge when I was a teenager in the 80s. That's yeah. when they first hit, and they hit big. And mm. those songs were on the radio all the time. Axl does have an incredible voice. He's one of these guys who can go way the fuck up and still be just as loud, yeah. you know, sc screaming, but screaming in tune. Yeah. But then he also, on some songs, sings in his lower register, and they they uh, tr chart his range as being from F first to B flat sixth. Hmm. Okay. Which is uh, how many octaves is that? I mean, that's almost that's a that's almost a six octave range, right? Yeah. It's past six octaves, right? Sure. It's All right. been a while since I've uh, done my theory. Now, you're probably wondering, where's Mariah Carey on this list? If Axl Rose is number one, she's number two. Okay. okay. Mariah, who, by the way, is a voice I never am in the mood to hear. Yeah, I like her old... I like her. Although I just heard We Belong Together, which is uh, from The Emancipation of Mimi. Mm. I heard that song for the first time in a while, and that's a great album, great song. Yeah, yeah. Mariah Carey's one of those artists where, like, I admire her talent. She's enormously talented, but I never want to hear one of her songs. Anyway, she her range is from F F second to G seventh, so it's almost exactly the same as uh, as Axel's. I just realized that I may have given you the wrong info before we went on. You think it's G seven? I think we were having a discussion as to whether the proper terminology is like G seven or G seven. Well, when you talk about a chord, you would say like a like a, a major seventh. Yeah, that's not what this is. This, this refers is, to octaves. So I think it is actually just okay. the number. So Mariah's F2 to G7. Yeah, that sounds right. Number three on the list, and I'm kind of surprised because I love him, think he's amazing, never knew he had a big range, is Prince. Yes, and that would be on my like top five. I, if I were to expand upon my, my list, I would put him up there as well. Prince sings from an E2 to a B6. So... Um, Four octaves, essentially. Number four totally deserves to be on this list for many reasons, and that is Steven Tyler, mm. the lead singer of Aerosmith. Steven Tyler can sing from a D2 to an E6. And once I went down this rabbit hole and discovered him on the list, I went down a different rabbit hole of people, different artists singing Dream On. Oh, my God. Which, JB, do you know the song? Dream On. Okay. Dream On. So there's a great video of, like, 20 different male singers and a, and one female singer each singing that same part and then jumping the octave because here's what happens he starts here dream on dream on dream on dream on and then he goes up an octave do it 
Is that it? Yes, you did it, Ryan Frostig. JB, right. do you want to try it? No, no, I do not. <laughs> I mean, G sharp is already high for yeah. most guys. That's yeah. at the top of my range. Yeah, yeah, Let me same. see if I can. <clears throat> Here we go. Dream on, dream on, dream on, dream on, dream on, dream on. Yes. Yeah, hard. It's real. I apologize if that shattered you anyone. You got there. It's really up in your yes, nose. Yes, you have to put it. Put it in the pocket. As, Thank as you, JB. It's so fucking. But Steve, <laughs> Steven Tyler, that song is such a symphony. If you guys yeah. don't know Dream On, or if you haven't listened to it in a while, there's an orchestra. The lyrics are haunting. He wrote that song when he was 17, and the wow. lyrics are. Um, all these lines in my face getting clearer. Like, what 17-year-old is thinking about lines in his face? Jesus. And it, he sings it so well. Anyway, that's number four. Number five, huge shock to me. I know he's an icon. Never thought of him as having range. James Brown. Hmm. E-flat 2 to E6. Marvin Gaye. D2 to E-flat 6. Number seven I thought would be higher on the list. Christina Aguilera. Oh, another, another great voice. C3 to C-sharp 7. So that's uh, just over a four octave range. David Bowie, not someone I think of as having a particularly big range or going high, but I guess in some of his songs he did. He goes from G1 to G sharp five. Paul McCartney, wonderful voice. One of the greatest voices of all time. Goes from B1 to B5. 10 is someone named Tom York, who I honestly don't know. Mm -mm. Maybe the lead singer of Radiohead? Hmm. Anyone want to Google it? Sure. Um, Tom, T-H-O-M, York, Y-O-R-K-E. And number 11 is someone who I think I would have thought could have vied for number one, but he's number 11, Freddie Mercury. I was just thinking, where is he on the list? F Thomas Edward York is the lead singer of Radiohead. Radiohead, okay, good. Uh, thank you, JB. Uh, Freddie Mercury's number 11. Number 12 is Elvis Presley. Kind of surprised, but I guess he, he does go very low. Right. He starts at an E... Uh, wait a minute, I just lost my place. At a B in the first octave and goes all the way up to A5. Then John Lennon, Elton John, Barry White, Tina Turner, Roger Daltrey, Jeff Buckley, Bruce Springsteen, and rounding out the top 20 is Tom Waits. If I go through the list, I'll just call out a few notables. Beyonce's number 22. Mm -hmm. Mick Jagger's 25. JB, here's Michael Jackson at 26. Nina Simone, 27. Justin Timberlake is 32. Where is Aretha Franklin, you ask? She's way down at 37. Huh. Going from a G2 to a B5. She's followed by Annie Lennox. They put Eminem on here. I think that's insane. Wait, wait. This list was made in 2014? In 2014. So where's Grande? Uh, it's a I good think question. She, well, she did have an album. I mean, I guess in 2014 she did have, like, an album, but I think she was still probably like working her way up into the mainstream. Okay, see, and this is she this, does have a range, and yes, and this is where I I fought all you people because I was watching her when she was in the TV shows, yeah, Victorious, and she was still hitting all these ranges, mm -hmm. like singing all these. Yeah, I think she's up. too young to have made this list. Lady Gaga is number forty-eight. Um, and that's why I figured. Like, if I, I, I want to know where, like, where Lady Gaga and, and Ariana Grande. This surprises me. Joni Mitchell is way down at sixty-seven. Joni Mitchell goes into whistle tone. I thought she she'd really, be a yeah. lot higher, but I guess she doesn't sing very low. She goes from C sharp three to A five. Well, she's on her later uh, records. She does sing quite low. But, <laughs> yeah, but uh, in the earlier ones, not so much. Yeah, but they would count that. They literally count for this article every recorded note they, oh, they have. Yeah. So anyway, I just thought that was fun and interesting. So much fun. And we get we got to uh, sing a, a G-sharp three or whatever that was. Well, right. actually, we know what that was. A G-sharp six. Oh, my God. Let's just, guys, I'm sorry if it popped in your ears. I, uh, I'll fix it. I did my best. I did back yeah, away from I, the I, microphone. I sang away from both, it, too. Both, both Ryan and Adam did back away. We did try our best. <laughs> but I hope sorry for sorry causing permanent abilities. hearing damage. Yeah, um, okay. Also in the news, a priest in New Orleans has been busted for having a BDSM threesome on the church altar. And the most oh. shocking part about it is that the other yeah, two people involved were both yeah. women. Oh, my. And they were adults. What priest is into adult women? Oh. It's so odd. Here's some actual audio of the three-way. 
The New Orleans Archdiocese issued a statement saying a priest who was caught filming a BDSM bisexual threesome video inside a local church last week has been removed from ministry and the wooden altar that he used has been destroyed. They, they literally removed the altar and burned it. Representative Travis Clark, I'm sorry, Reverend Travis Clark was busted on September 30th. This is a crazy story. When a passerby noticed the church lights on around 11 p.m. and stopped to check things out, through the glass doors, the person saw the priest having sex with two dominatrixes dressed in leather corsets and boots on top of the altar. Plastic sex toys littered the floor, and a camera was set up to record the unholy encounter. I'm not production. seeing what the issue is. I mean, he's not doing it with little boys. Yes, but he's... First of all, if you're a priest, you take a vow of chastity. Yes, I guess that's what I'm saying. Second of all, you're not supposed to have sex in the church on the on altar. The altar. I, I feel like we should change the rule of the, of the chastity thing. Like, they should appreciate oh, totally. sex. Priests should be able to marry, and women should be able to be priests. Yeah. That would totally clean up the Catholic Church and all the, the, the molestation that goes on. But uh, the main thing is, if you're a priest and you want to have sex with two people in your church, close the drapes. Oh. Yeah. Like what, going it sounds office. to me like he wanted to be caught. Yeah. I think that was part of the thrill. And, mm. honey, I can relate, but... Uh, listen, the two women, Mindy Dixon and Melissa Chang, Stop. were arrested for obscene. Mindy Dixon, <laughs> Mindy Melissa Dixon. Chang. What? They were arrested for quote obscene acts that occurred on the altar, which is visibly visible from the street. It was later reported the day before the threesome, Dixon bragged on her social media about going to New Orleans to quote defile a house of God. She knew she was she, what she was doing. Uh, Clark, Cheng, and Dixon have all been released from jail after posting bond. And as I said, the, the bishop of this particular parish removed the altar and burned it. I don't know. I would have sold it on eBay. <laughs> I think they could have raised some much-needed funds for the uh, church. Yeah. Why do you have to burn it? Right. What's the point? What is it? Possessed by Satan now? It's possessed by sex demons. Mm. <laughs> or sex ghosts. <laughs> Guys, watch Doom Patrol. That's one, good. one of the Adam Sank Show uh, followers said what made it obscene was that they were women. <laughs> <laughs> and not little Moving boys. on. Could have been men. It would have been perfectly fine. Uh, okay. A Puerto Vallarta resort is where Ryan and I have been. The one next door to the Airbnb? Yes. Oh, my God. Was of fined. After a couple was seen having gay sex in the pool. Oh my. This is the oh, wow. Montemar Beach Club, one of Puerto yeah. Vallarta's most well-known beach bars oh. and grills. It's famed for its sushi restaurant and its swimming pool. Some of the pools are some of the pool areas are elevated above the beach below oh. and feature glass walls. About two weeks ago, two of the guests it's not known whether they were traveling together or they had just met. They clearly got overly amorous with one another in one of the glass-filled pools in full view of the public beach below. Uh, this is a cocktails and cock talk story, by the way. I didn't tell you, JB. Uh, given the public location, the incident was caught on cell phone cameras. Where's that video? Mm. Uh, oh, I see. There was a pixelated version of the video that Cocktails and Cock Talk had. Uh, the display was viewed dimly by local authorities. A local LGBT group was also not impressed. Uh, Colectivo not Vi impressed. We are not impressed by your dick. Colectivo Vallarta LGBT issued a statement saying it did not approve. It said sexuality is something to be enjoyed, provided it doesn't impact on third parties. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Montemar Beach Club was fined. They say, we are sorry for what happened. We will take strict measures so that it never happens again. When I heard about this, Ryan, I was furious. Yeah, oh, I bet you were. Because I was in that pool, and nobody even groped me. <laughs> I got no play whatsoever. You know, it's, it's funny because it's like, we should know better. Like, we all as gay people should know better. But there are some spaces where they say, like, you know, where it's, where it's like, like the eagle. Yes. You know? The stuff that goes on at the Eagle is not okay. Right. But everyone's kind of like, nah, okay, this is fine. Right. The crowd that shows up has decided they're okay with it. And I have a feeling that this couple or this th these these two people having sex in this pool were not the first people to have sex in this pool at this resort. Nah. It happens all the time. <laughs> exactly. I think they probably had had a few drinks and or some other substances too. Sure. I think it's easy to lose your inhibitions when you're not completely sober. 
But uh, anyway, kudos to them. Also, um, having sex in a pool not is fun. Not fun. I agree. At all. I, I don't like to be wet. As I don't want to be on bottom. a beach. I don't want to be anywhere dirty, sandy. I'm a I'm a I'm a princess when it comes to. <laughs> I, I mean, like... I will get blown anywhere. Sure, I'll get blown in a dirty bathroom, but. <laughs> If I'm going to have actual, like, sex with full-on body contact and rolling around and stuff, I want to be on a clean bed with sheets yeah. that are, have been recently washed. There are two places I would not have sex. Well, three. One is near trash. Two. Near trash. Yeah, near trash. Two is pool. Three is beaches. Because, one, I feel that the water will just get into my booty hole and not come out. And then <laughs> The water? Fine. How about the sand? And then the sand is the third reason why I won't do it. Like, I'll have, a, I would have a sandy vagina. Exactly. <laughs> See, I would I have baby sex has a sandy vagina. on the beach because I love the smell of the salt water. Mm. But I, <laughs> You know what? I'd have sex on the beach if there was, like, a giant sheet that was yeah. completely free of sand. But the problem is uh, the wind blows and then you got a sandy sheet. Mm. And a sandy and vagina. Sandy vagina. Exactly. <laughs> in other news, oh, here's another. Here's a cocktails and cock talk story. Wait, wait, I'm playing singing. And now, time for another stupid story from cocktails, cocktails. and cocktalk.com. Yeah, suck my cock. So Karamo Brown is the culture expert on the the reboot of Queer Eye, the one that you can watch on uh, Netflix, and he's recently single. And he was giving an interview to Us Weekly about the breakdown of his marriage and navigating the dating scene once again. And he said he does not want nasty pictures of your dick or your hole. He said not to be crude or anything, but sending inappropriate pics is not a way to ever engage with someone. That's not universal for hello. I don't know why guys think that's an appropriate thing to do. So it's like, please keep it respectful. Do you know what I mean? Now, okay. I, I decided to do this story because I feel like this is a trend. I feel like I'm hearing more and more guys being like, don't send dick pics to me. I don't want to see them. On Grindr and Scruff, there are options now, like accepts NSFW pictures or doesn't. And I'm on this um, this Facebook group called Grinder Scruff Fails, mm. where people are constantly posting like well, yeah. examples of bad behavior. Yeah. And a lot of them are like... I told him no dick pics on my profile, and of course, that's the first thing he sends. And my question is, why is this ever a problem? Yeah. Well, it, uh, who who is really bothered? What gay man is really bothered by seeing a penis or an asshole? I think it all comes down to context and the and the space in which you're interacting in. If you are on Grinder or what I'm kind of like over is this thing that that. Grinder and, and Scruff are not used for sex. Of Bullshit. course they're used for sex. Bullshit. If you are if you are looking for NSA fun and that's what it says on your profile, if someone sends you a dick pic, it's because it appears that you are looking to receive dick pics. Now, if you're on like if you're sending an email to someone and you just happen to attach a picture of your hole, that's inappropriate. Or a Facebook DM. Facebook DM or I mean you can't send pictures on I don't think on like Tinder, but I just yeah, I mean, uh, uh, on the flip side of that, though, I know that, like, I've gotten pictures of, like, a gaping asshole, which... Listen, I get... I get... As the first I get message. receiving a picture you really wish you hadn't seen. Yeah. But it doesn't traumatize me. No. All I have to do is ignore it and or block the person. I get it if... I, I get it with women. If you're a woman... Guy, a guy, a guy should not send women unsolicited dick pics. That's a different thing because there's a power differential. It's a kind, it's kind of a form of assault. And there are a lot of women that truly do not want to see a stranger's penis. They're just not interested in it. But I just feel like gay and bisexual men, if we're being honest, and maybe I, I shouldn't speak for my, uh, for other people, but speaking for myself, I just can't imagine ever being upset because someone sent me their dick pic. Even if I'm not interested in them, even if I don't like the dick. Even if it's on like a different. Yeah. Like I might be like, hey, you know, thanks. Wasn't really looking for that. But but I'm not mad at them. I don't find it like like assaulting or rude or yeah. disgusting. It's just like, oh, because I'm genu I'm genuinely curious about everyone's dick. Yeah. I want to see everyone's dick. Right. I don't understand. Why, what's if you're listening and you have if a dick, listening. send me a picture. I don't understand why they have the issue. It's a mess. You can delete it. You can not yeah. answer it. You can do so many things. Like, 
I mean, we've all seen porn. Yeah, I get dick pics from random niggas just because I'm just like. <laughs> Don't use that I, word. <laughs> well, I'm using that word because they are. When I, when I say the word niggas, I mean they are ignorant, belligerent assholes. Okay. And that's what they act like. They say, here's a dick pic. You, you want to come suck my dick? No, I don't want to come suck your dick. I don't even want to look at your dick. I see why people. You're say, you're offended by it. I'm offended by the way he, by the way they approach it. Because like, here's my dick pic. Now come suck my dick. What makes you think I'm a new suck some dick? I will gladly look at your dick pic, but I'm not a new suck no dick. See, I get those, and I'm like, thank you. I'm offended if it's a bad dick pic. Yes. Like if the lighting isn't good, if the angle isn't right, then it's like you just wasted Remember a moment. Drew Lausch's story about the hot guy he met and then he sent him a dick pic and there was all this like dirty trash in yeah, the background. Yes. There were like bags of garbage in the background. No, I've definitely been that person where I've like taken a dick pic and then in the background my room is a complete and total mess. But I feel like In the background there's just like a shit covered toilet. <laughs> yeah, it's just like literally like a dumpster. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, it's it's I, I, I think I guess I just wonder like I'm assuming he means in a non like sexual space. Right? Because I don't know what he it, means. If you're on scruff, dude, like, what do you ex what do yeah. you expect? I, and I, I also get that he's he gets a lot more uh, DMs than I do. Sure. Like, he's on Netflix. He's you know w has a much bigger following. Yeah. I'm sure it is annoying if every time you look at your phone, there's like ten new dick pics right. from random people. But I mean, I'm still not at my level of fame. <laughs> I am fine with it. Just saying. Okay, meanwhile, this is a great story. In the, in the United Kingdom, a woman is accused of using Alexa to terrorize her ex-boyfriend. That sounds amazing. How does she do it? Uh, oh, my God. Oh my I don't... God. I didn't paste the right thing. <gasps> no! I dun, have the dun, wrong dun. story. That's All right, so here's okay. what I remember. I wish I had the details of this. But, but basically, she was able to hack into her ex-boyfriend's Alexa and oh, use it as an intercom. This is something that you can do. If you, if you have a password, you can use someone else's Alexa and like communicate with them from your house. Oh my so God. She was like doing Alexa's voice when the, when his new girlfriend was in the house and being like, get the fuck out. You stupid whore. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. <laughs> Alexa, if you're listening, well done. Stop fucking my boyfriend. You cunt. <laughs> and uh, the woman was totally freaked out, and the guy was freaked out, and um, she's—I think there's like charges press, pressed against her now for like stalking or, you know, misuse of technology or Wait, something. Wait, is it really stalking? Because she didn't see it. All she's doing—it sounds like it sounds like to me like a prank phone call. Yeah, like, you know, like it's I, worse <laughs> because you're just sitting. In, like, listen, Alexa freaks me out anytime she talks to me unsolicited. When I'm in my house and Alexa suddenly starts talking, I'm like, what? If she were actually saying something like, you're a fucking whore, I would be totally freaked out. You'd be like, well, you're right. It's not the same as a phone call. A phone call, you have the option of not picking up the phone. I mean, I get it. But then on top of that, he should have changed his passwords. Like, totally. That This sounds like a... But how ingenious is she? She's so smart. smart. And I want to give her a high five. And this is great. Like, it's, I'm so sorry she got in trouble for this. But this was... This, this is like well one of those played. kinds of funds where no one got hurt. Like, no one's going... Like, no one's suing for millions of dollars. Yeah. No one's crying. Like... Well, meanwhile, in Kentucky, uh, authorities were called after a bomb threat was made in a Home Depot, but things did not turn out to be uh, as they originally appeared. Here's a local news oh, report on the oh. story. You don't have it, I, JB? I forgot to hold it. Give me a second. Oh, my goodness. I have the Kathy Lee Gifford one. That's the one All I All right, let's it. do Kathy Lee yeah. Gifford, and then we'll go back to this, because I, I do want to oh, do yeah, that Kentucky story. So um, you guys will remember a few weeks back that um, Kathy Lee Gifford's son-in-law who is also Betsy DeVos's nephew, Ugh. was on Celebrity Family Feud, and video of him went viral because he was wearing extremely tight pants and had a massive moose knuckle. Mm. And at the end of the show, when the family gets up and joins Steve Harvey, and they're all standing there clapping and celebrating, the camera like zoomed in on him, and you could clearly see like cock and balls, and then he looks down and notices it himself and has this weird look on his face. His name is Ben Weirda. And uh, he's married to, I guess, Cassidy uh, Gifford, uh, yes. Kathy Lee's daughter, and also is the nephew of Secretary of Education Betsy DeVos. So Kathy Lee was on Watch What Happens Live with Andy Cohen, and he asked her about her son-in-law's bulge. Take a listen. 
Kathy Lee, I got, before we go to break, I have to ask you, you were on Celebrity Family Feud last week with your family. Have you seen the little moment that is going viral <laughs> yes. of your son-in-law realizing that his pants are incredibly tight? Yes, <laughs> I have seen it. It's hard to miss it. I'm sorry, but I'm glad it's not my son. It's... <laughs> Cassidy's, it's Cassidy's husband, whom I adore. But uh, they, none of us realize that you were playing a game, for goodness sakes. And we get very, very excited about it. And obviously. He looked like um, he was excited about it, too. That's what I'm saying. But but she, she had said to him, I guess, early before that whole thing started, she said, you, you're going to wear those on television? They're awfully tight. They was, oh, they're fine. So uh, they woke up the next day after we had, uh, after it aired the other day, and to this firestorm of, of, of publicity. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, he looks it very gifted. He looks... He's very... He's an incredible good guy. And he's... Kathy Lee's a phony bitch, but right at least here. she has a sense of humor about this. Uh, Moose Knucklegate continues. And can I just say, anytime I see a guy with a big dick wearing super tight pants, I think... He knows what he's doing. Absolutely. And also, I mean, you would think and I'm okay Kathy with Lee, it. with her decades of TV experience, would say, mm, Right. Those are not the right pants. You don't want to wear... Because what I was saying to JB before we recorded is, like, you're wearing, the like, a bright color pant. If he was wearing, like, a black pant or, or navy blue, it wouldn't be an issue. But he, you're, 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 like you said... He knows what he's doing. These pants are very visible. It's not, mm -hmm. yeah, it's not an accident. I was, me and I was also talking about, I was like, he had to get hard right before this because this, it looked like he was getting soft and this is just the meat of it. Like, well, oh. a lot of Adam Sank Show Facebook uh, users said that it appears he was all potatoes and no meat. <laughs> he was one of those guys who has like giant balls, but not much of a cock. I, you could see the outline of it. I wasn't sure what I was looking at. It definitely looked like it was stuffed. It didn't look with sexy. something. It I'll was not sexy. That. Yeah, it wasn't like when you like I love when you see a guy and you can see the whole shaft yeah. and the coronal yeah. ridge and the head. Like the when coronal he ridge. when he wears, which is the name of my new gay soap opera, <laughs> Coronal Ridge. Uh, JB, do we have that other yeah. audio? Okay, so here's what happened according to the local news in Kentucky at a Home Depot when a bomb threat was called in. Homeowners for customers at a Kansas Home Depot. Police responded to reports of a bomb threat at the store in Wichita. A customer alerted employees. A man inside the bathroom said there was a bomb in the building. Police were able to locate the man responsible for those comments, and that man told police he warned other guests to leave the restroom because he was, quote, uh, fixing to blow it up, but had no intention of causing a panic. Man also told police others in the room laughed understanding his joke, which I'm just now getting. Home Depot says they will not be pressing charges. But I can tell you right now, you asked the producer for me to read that thing here. <laughs> to Ethan now, please. No. <laughs> yeah, because we're both losing it. No, we're going to get it. We're going to get it. They're losing it on the air. So basically, wow. this guy, all this guy did was walk into the bathroom at Home Depot and say to the other guys, like, you guys better watch out. I'm about to blow up this bathroom. He made a black person joke in a room full of white people, and they felt oh. That's what happened. <laughs> he just wanted to take a big dump. That's and it. one of them ran out and said he just threatened to, uh, to blow this up with a bomb. I mean, it is kind of gross to talk about the shit you're about to take to strangers. Like, yeah. I kind of understand why they wouldn't get the joke. We don't need to know what you're about to do in there. Right. Uh, Unless it's sexual. I'm really surprised case. no one ever heard of that term before. I'm about to blow up this bathroom. Like, no, I think you have heard of it, but it's something you, if you say it at all, it's something you say to people you know. You don't just like walk into a public bathroom and say it to a bunch of strangers. I think that was uh, the issue. You're right. But uh, anywho, um, so that was that. Thank you, JB, for, uh, for that story. Now, why don't you... Get our guest on the phone while simultaneously playing some cereal music because I'm feeling hungry. Put on some delicious music, please. Yes, folks, it's time to talk about cereal. I love cereal. Me too. I mean, I really do love it. To me, it is the ultimate comfort food. Late at night when I'm watching TV, maybe I've had a bong hit or two. And I, uh, I suddenly start to chow down 
but then I worry because of the nutritional value or lack thereof. Most cereal is just high in sugar and carbs, got no nutritional value. Enter Magic Spoon. Magic Spoon. Magic Spoon. Magic Spoon makes a variety of delicious flavors that have, listen to this, zero grams of sugar, 11 grams of protein, turn the music down a little, and only three net grams of carbs per serving. It comes in four flavors, cocoa, frosted, blueberry, and fruity, and you know how I love fruity. Here is actual audio of me eating Magic Spoon. Oh, wow. You must be That's what I really sound like when it. I'm eating it. I've tried all four of those flavors. They're all delicious. My favorite is Frosted. Magic Spoon is the keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, GMO-free, low-carb cereal alternative. It really is like magic. Listen up, everyone. Go to magicspoon.com slash ass and grab a variety pack to try today. Be sure to also use promo code ass at checkout to get free shipping. Remember, the website you want to go to is magicspoon.com com slash ass and then enter promo code ass so that's two asses during your order magic spoon is so confident in their product it comes with a 100 happiness guarantee if you don't like it for any reason they will refund your money no questions asked once again magicspoon.com slash ass and use promo code ass for free shipping we thank magic spoon for sponsoring this podcast Thank you, Magic Spoon. Thank you, Magic Spoon. We love you. Magic Spoon. All right. Our guest today is a... Uh, Not not yet. He he wanted to call him back in a minute, so do another story. What? I don't have another story. What's going on with him? Let's make a story right now. All right. Let's let's try him back right now. Por favor. Uh, this has never happened before. Oh my God, we we have nothing to talk about. We've had the guests, you know, not show up at all. This is a, this is we have we should just stop right now. Maybe he was blowing up the bathroom. Maybe, I know, <laughs> I know. I might have to do that again soon. That bagel is really hitting you. Oh yeah. We got our bagels again today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I mentioned this before, but they have a new blueberry tofu spread that is as good or better than any dairy cream cheese I've ever tasted. Wow. In fact, I'm pretty sure they're just calling it tofu. <laughs> Are we good now? Okay, our guest today, and you have the clip, right, JB? Our guest today is a radio host, producer, and social commentator who specializes in LGBTQ, Latino, and millennial issues. SiriusXM subscribers will recognize him as the longtime voice of OutQ News and the now-defunct uh, OutQ <laughs> channel. Here is a taste of the current, his current SiriusXM Progress channel show, Affirmative Reaction. This is an interview he did this past July with the one and only Bob the Drag Queen. Did you say like some of the, the top things that you remember about, since since it's been so long since any of us have been um, to any of these wonderful New York uh, activities, like what are some of the the musical performances that, that just stick with you? Well, I will say the number one Broadway performance I've seen with my own eyes was Cynthia Revo in The Color Purple. So I, I honestly, I was going to say it, but I was like, if it's not her, I might be a little sad about it. But I was in the audience in full drag because I had a gig right afterwards. So I'm sitting in the second row in full <laughs> drag. And, and for the, for the was, record, Bob, you're you're six foot like you're six foot one, two. I'm a dainty five, three. No, I'm um, I'm six, two. A, a, a beefy six two. <laughs> so, and, so Bob um, the drag queen ain't hiding in the second row from full yeah, drag. Yeah, with my hair up in a bun, wearing a polka dot dress, and I was crying because I had never been moved like that in a play. I've been moved, but not like that. In a play. Mm. And also, and joining us all the way from New York City, please give a warm ass welcome to Jorge Olivares. Jorge, you are the first guest we've ever had that told us to call them back in a minute. <laughs> yes, that was my bad. What was going was like, on? Hi, uh, uh, so I now I live in Boston. I moved here about two or three, uh, two or three months ago, oh. and our our brunch ran a little bit long. And so I was like, "Oh, wait, hold on," because we were literally in the middle of a paying. Oh, well, don't worry about us. We we just do live to tape. It's no problem. Uh, Jorge, I had no idea you had moved to Boston. How's Boston? Yeah, well, let me tell you, I am still trying to figure out where I fit in in this place. Um, I am not of a college age anymore. No. So I definitely feel out of place that way. Um, There are not many people who look like me, I will say. So that's 
something else. Yeah, Boston's um, very white. It's very white. Um, and I've yet to find, this is what I miss a lot about New York. New York, it's very easy to tell where your neighborhoods are. So you know where, let's just say, space, you know where you can go and have a good time, and you know where, and this is what sucks the most about quarantine for me, and I'm sure, I kind of want to get your take on it too. Like, gay people, especially gay men, are such a touchy-feely kind of a group of people that I miss going to the bar and, like, seeing a friend that I hadn't seen and then giving them a kiss and then going for a hug. and Like, I don't feel like I can do that, one, probably because of quarantine, but two, I don't think Boston, from my own personal just experience of it so far, I don't feel like I can do that here. I I, I just don't feel like I can be my comfortable gay self. Yeah, I mean, little, speaking in general... I, I Speaking in generalizations, I do think Boston is known as a somewhat chillier city, emotionally speaking, than, say, New York, Chicago, San Francisco, uh, you know, Key West. I I, I think um, people there tend to be a little bit more reserved, a little bit less uh, physically affectionate. So I do think that, that that's correct. But but definitely in the pandemic, it's hard to gauge how anyone, you know, what anyone's behavior is because we're, we're all so restricted. I the thing that sucks is because everything to my nature, aside from the fact that I'm a huge extrovert, I get my energy off of being around other people. Um, it's been very difficult to try to figure out my position in the world because of that. But I think also because growing up Mexican, it's also a very touchy feely kind of culture. Even with strangers, when you're introduced to new people, you go up to them and give kisses on the cheek. It's just natural for what you do. Yeah, Jews so are the same. Body, yeah, and I think also, and this might sound like a weird way to describe it, my love language has always been touch. And even though when you think about it within a context, Jorge, I got to interrupt you. Are you moving around right now? We're, we're getting a lot of, like, weird feedback sound. Um, I am not. I'm standing in one place. Hmm. Is it, is it windy or something? It's a little windy, unfortunately. Uh, that's what we're hearing. Okay, go ahead. What were you saying? Um, no, the idea of like, even though we imagine this idea of love language as being something within a romantic or sexual context, like for me, because my love language is touch, I'm missing the fact that I cannot touch human beings, uh, with the exception, obviously, of my partner. But like, you you miss the idea of um, camaraderie, going out to regular dinners, going out to regular lunches, just being around other human beings where you can touch them, say hi, and then feel like everything is just the way I need it to particularly be for me to feel comfortable with this person. Yeah, um, totally. I do too. <laughs> Speaking of things to miss, uh, and we mentioned in the introduction that you were for many years the voice of, of OutQ News. Do you miss OutQ and, and what do you think was the reason for its demise? So the thing, I absolutely miss OutQ, and the reason I miss it, um, maybe a little bit differently than the other people who are on OutQ, is OutQ was my way to come out to my family. Mm. So my sister had known that I was gay, and obviously all my friends had known that I was gay, but my parents didn't know. And so when I first moved to New York and I started working at Sirius, all they could say was, hi, we want to hear you. Like, why don't you tell us what channel you're on? We're really excited to be able to hear you. And I kept just stalling. I said, you know, I, they don't know that I'm gay. And then for me to say, hi, I'm working on the gay channel would have been quite odd. So I kept waiting and waiting. And then weirdly enough, I came to the realization where I said, how is it that I've told anybody with the SiriusXM subscription, so i.e. the entire country, like, how is it that people in the country know that I'm gay, but my parents do not? So I use OutQ as the means in which I came out to my family. And that's why it always had an even deeper meaning for me. And I love the fact that I was doing something for a community that I was starting to get just fall deeper in love with. Yeah. Um, when you're you know, younger and you're trying to figure out what your queer journey is, um, I'm lucky that my queer journey took me to New York very quickly. Um, and so being able to understand my queerness through the context of hearing other people talk about their queerness, so like hearing you talk about it when you would go on the different shows, hearing Frank DeCaro, hearing Larry Flick, Keith Price especially. Yes. Like getting the chance to hear other people's stories made mine so much easier um, to be able to uh, embrace. 
Uh, well, you were such but an important you, you were such an important voice too on on the channel. You were you know you and Keith were the only two people of color on all of OutQ, and there were no women of color and very few women. Period. Uh, you know, Romaine yeah. was the only uh, person who had her own show. Doria was more of a sidekick, but it feels like, and maybe this is part of why OutQ went away, it feels like the conversations that we're having as a community have shifted away from just being about gay men, and especially white gay men, to being about LGBTQ people in general and about intersectionality. Uh, you, yeah. must, you must feel that shift, right? And, and, and it's, that's healthy for our community. Oh, for sure. I think so. There were a lot of reasons why, and I can only guess because I wasn't, <laughs> it was above my pay grade to figure out what happened with the channel. But I will say that part of it was there were people who were making decisions, people who did not have our identities, people who have just have been able to be at certain levels of the company that I will never aspire to reach. But I think their understanding was that much like a lot of society, there's this weird idea that somehow we've we've gone past the the idea of gayness that we don't need something just specifically dedicated or devoted to talking about gay identity that oh we could just integrate them into another channel and everything will be totally fine because we don't want to to segregate them we don't want to you know put them in their own for lack of a better word their own ghettoized place right um and i understand to some degree like there are people who will love bravo and there are people who will love loco and I think that was part of what constantly kept coming up, where everyone tried to keep making that comparison, where they said that they didn't want to do a logo anymore. They wanted to do something more like Bravo. But I'm someone who very much believes that there is uh, that there is a place for the logo. You need a logo. You need a place that is wholly um, specifically for a community that has already felt marginalized for so long that telling them that they just need to assimilate um, a lot of people might want that and a lot of people don't. I think they have to be comfortable when people don't want that. I agree. I, I think, um, you know, we have straight people who listen to this podcast and I love them and welcome them. But I definitely do this show from a gay male perspective. Um, mm -hmm. And that's not to say, you know, we, we have guests who are straight. We have guests who are women, who are trans, who are bi, who, you know. I, I try to invite people on from across the spectrum, but I'm coming from a gay male perspective, and I think there's still people out there who identify that way and, and want to hear that. And I think your show is so important because it's it's beyond just gay or beyond just male. It's it's about queer people of color and intersectionality. And I, I, that's why I'm so glad that you have your own show now on, on SiriusXM Progress, because I think there's a, there's a huge community out there that wasn't hearing themselves on, on the radio and especially on satellite radio, and now they are. Yeah, I, I, I would say that particularly the reason I went into communications, the reason I went into journalism um, was because when you were somebody who is at the intersection of a lot of different identities, you understand kind of at the beginning that there aren't that many people like you. And so the, the platform that I've created, not only with the, the show, but with the online brand that I've done, the Hey Jorge brand, like the idea is if there is at least one other person who has any sort of identity that I have, so if you're somebody who's a person of color, if you're somebody who's queer, if you're somebody who's a millennial, if you're somebody who's Catholic, if you're somebody who just has any of those things, or even if you don't, even if you're just kind of curious about what that perspective is, like I... The reason that people listen to the Adam Sank show is because everybody loves you, who you are, what your personality is, and the kind of perspectives and conversations you bring. And I am hoping that the people who listen to my show feel similarly, where, yes, they're, I'm not the only you know, Latino gay person out there. I'm not the only millennial Latino gay person out there. But I think that what I, based off my own personal lived experiences, that I have a different approach to certain topics and certain things. And I feel like my, my ability to have worked at Sirius for 10 years now, which is insane. But the, and you've been, you've been doing media for, for quite some time too. The idea that we've been able to develop our broadcasting skills in a way that, that helps us get our message across, I think is all the more helpful too. I agree. I want to ask you something because we touched on it on an issue last week. 
and I feel like you're the perfect person to ask this. Um, you know, the extreme right in this country is very dangerous and physically threatening in all sorts of ways. But I'm wondering if you ever worry in a, in a different way about the extreme left. Because what I'm seeing, oh, right, I don't want to compare the two, because, again, I think they're in different universes as far as a threat that they pose. But I do feel these days like some on the far left are demanding perfection from their allies, which is not a realistic expectation. And if you're not perfect and if you say or do or, or have ever said or done anything with which they disagree, you're instantly canceled. Do you see that? Mm -hmm. And do you feel that that's a problem, that we're hurting ourselves by by demanding such perfection from, from one another? Yes. So I will say, and I will kind of compare this to the coming out experience, where, yes, as queer people, especially when we come out, we expect our families and we expect the people that we come out to to be 100% on board because we need that. And we need to be able to make sure that, you know, especially if somebody says the wrong word or brings up the wrong question, that we have a tendency to immediately harp on them and say, that's not the right thing. That's not. And we never allow somebody to go through the process of an education. Yes. And we don't, we immediately get upset because of someone's ignorance. And sometimes ignorance doesn't necessarily even have to have such a negative connotation. It just means you do not know. And so when I think about like my parents, my parents are the most supportive people I can ever imagine. They have been since I came out 10 years ago. But like, if my mom is asking me questions about what trans identity is, I can't just yell at her and say, mom, you shouldn't know this. Right. Because at least she's trying to ask the question. She's trying to familiarize herself and she's doing the best that she can because of who she is. My mother is a boomer who grew up in South Texas in the fifties and sixties. And so when I think about how this compares to politics, we get so upset and I understand, yes, that there is a desire for us to have progressive ideals for us to be able to uphold certain things that we believe to be true. But we also have to allow those people that we want to reach that point with us to take, you know, to be able to, to get there on their own. Yes. Because once you start get, kind of grabbing their arms, getting them really upset, like, why aren't you there at the same time I'm there? People will just work differently. When you think about, like, even in this particular moment, I think a lot of us have prioritized or understood what our priorities are. Like, there are a lot of things that we deal with on a day-to-day -day basis that sometimes this idea of, you know, somebody spending all their time focused solely on a political issue, maybe they're not available to do that. And I can't get upset with them because they're not 100% aligned with where I'm at. Right. And I think I, there is... Uh, I think you're stating it perfectly. And I just think we have to stop making the perfect the enemy of the good. Yes. Mm -hmm. in, in the time remaining, Jorge, we're going to play everyone's favorite at-home quiz show, Ask Me No Questions. Ask Me No Questions. Ask Me No Questions. <laughs> yeah. Number one, your first name starts with an X. Aside from yourself, who's your famous celebrity yeah. whose first name begins with an X? Oh, shit. Um, I don't think I could think of any other person except for a fake person like Xena. I'm sorry. The correct answer <laughs> is Xavier Cougat. Oh, damn it. Cuban band leader. Uh, okay. F. Mary Kill, radio edition. Uh, actually, no, this is a Jorge edition. You have to choose between these three Jorges. Fuck one, marry one, and kill the third. Your choices are news anchor Jorge, Ra Jorge Ramos. Oh, my gosh. Baseball okay. player Jorge Pasada and Mexican soccer player Jorge Campos. Okay, I can only tell you that I know what one of them looks like. And so I, uh, you know what? Let's, let's fuck Jorge Ramos. Yes. Let's marry Posada and then we'll kill the Campos. Poor guy. All right. Uh, I, I would accept that. I, I would also accept in your marrying Jorge Ramos. And uh, believe me, I've, he is, and we've, I mean, I grew up watching him. My family would watch Spanish language television like that, and he is just got me with age. He is a very handsome sexy man. Sexy man. Uh, Jorge, talk dirty to us in Spanish. Ooh. Um. Hi, papi. I'm clutching myself <laughs> as you're doing this. Uh, Jorge, name someone who inspires you. Um, my mom. My mom oh. is somebody who has, has spent a good amount of time 
um, dedicating herself to us and making sure that we get a chance to do whatever we want to do. And I, I love that she took that up for herself. And she, she really does feel like she's been able to accomplish what she set out for. And I can only be grateful for that. That's lovely. My mom inspires me in certain ways, too. I'm inspired by her, um, her political activism. She's a, oh, nice. yeah, yeah. She's been a very active, vocal, liberal Democrat her whole life, um, living in a very Republican town. So I, I admire her for that. Um, what's a food that you will never put in your mouth? Uh, I'm usually not a picky eater, but I will say I had this the other day, and it reminds me that I hate it, but I do not like papaya. It Interesting. such a weird consistency. Oh, because it's kind of stringy. Yeah. And it sucks because like most Latinos, I know love papaya and I'm the only one who's like, now nah, pass. Yeah. I think I like the flavor of papaya more than I like papaya itself. That makes sense. Yeah. I just, I can't do it. Name something in your nightstand that would surprise people. Uh, the surprising part is that I don't have one. <laughs> now that is surprising. I can I tell you something. Yeah. When I sleep somewhere else, like if I stay at a hotel or, or someone's guest room, and there's no nightstand, I freak out. Where do you put your glass of water? Oh I, no, I'm I'm somebody who I try to abstain from drinking water like maybe two hours before bed because I am somebody who gets up several times during the night to pee if I drink water even right before bed. Oh dear. So I maybe you have an yeah, enlarged try, prostate. <laughs> I mean, we could all try and find that out. I mean, when was when was the last time someone examined your prostate, Jorge? Um, digitally, it's been, <laughs> it's maybe been a while. Uh, so no nightstand. So is there a nightstand on the other side of the bed? Where does is there no nightstand in the bedroom? No, we no, we we have like a little dresser drawer kind of somewhere else, and so everything I just kind of put there. I find this very troubling. Uh, <laughs> oh no. I'm sure part of it is I had one in my 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 old apartment, but I think we prioritized with the move buying other things before a nightstand. Um, so yeah, I I'm going to get you it. a nightstand. Uh, what are you uh, What are you going to dress as for Halloween? Um, I do not know, but I do know that we might be basic, and now that we live 30 minutes away from Salem, we might legitimately just spend the day in Salem because of the witches. Because of the witches. I bet that's really popular I, on Halloween time, right? Like, people, there's probably like events going on in Salem that where you can like burn a fake witch or or, or go on some sort of haunted <laughs> hayride or something. Well, the thing that sucks is we. I mean, we moved here. Obviously, we were we very much knew that we were going to move here in the middle of quarantine, but it was still incredibly sad when we got like the notification that said Salem, Massachusetts, has canceled all. Halloween events. We're like, fuck, like the one time we move here yeah. and now we can't take advantage. So you're just going to go and hang out and there. howl at the moon? Possibly. <laughs> and just like go to where, you know, Jane, what was her name? The one from the Crucible? Oh, Remember that person? Oh, name? yeah. The, um, not, no, not Goody Ruthie. Goodwife? Or is that the Scarlet Abby, Letter? Something like that. Abigail? <laughs> Uh, speak, keeping on the Halloween theme, have you ever tried pumpkin spice poppers? Oh, no. Even weirdly enough, um, I am not a big fan of poppers, so I've never even had them once, and that's it. It's not weird. I find that gay men either love them or hate them. Uh, but this is a yeah, good time I'm to not, remind our listeners that Ryan and I would still like to try pumpkin spice poppers. Yes. And you may send them to us at uh, Derek and Romaine Studios address on the website. Um, what's a nickname that you've given your penis? Um, ooh, I've never really done that. Never? I'm, yeah, I feel like I'm doing all sorts of things wrong in life. <laughs> you've got to get a nightstand. To terms with it. You've got to get a nightstand and you've got to name your penis. <laughs> Um, and maybe name your penis nightstand. <laughs> oh, hey. If you know what I'm saying. Jorge, I assume yeah. you're doing the show uh, remotely these days, right? Affirmative reaction? I am. So I've been very lucky in that they pretty much, I told them, I was like, hi, I'm moving to Boston. They said, cool, just continue doing what you're doing. I was like, all right. So I've been able to thankfully do all my interviews via Zoom and have whatever technology I need to, to make that happen. And 
It's going well. I, I can't I can't be upset and I can't complain. Fabulous. Everyone should listen on SiriusXM Progress Saturdays at 2. Your website is heyjorge.com. I love you. Thank you so much for doing the show. Uh, Thank you. Talk to you soon. Ryan and JB, please plug yourselves. At Ryan Frosting on Instagram and Twitter. At Stocking Anarchy, only on Instagram. Tune in next week to hear another brand new ass with our with Michael Alviar, the author of How to Bottom Like a Porn Star. Bottom. Yes. Subscribe to this podcast at dnrstudios.com. Don't forget to order your ass merch at adamsank.com. Follow me, me, on Twitter and Insta. Email me at adam at adamsank.com. Vote blue, no matter who. Yeah. Have a great week, bitches. Bye. Bye.